Now, learning isn't all about technology, but technology sure helps. And we're going to talk about what's new in technology that we could use for learning with Broadway producer, racehorse owner, and oh yeah, in his spare time, one of the world's leading learning gurus, our good friend Elliot Maisie, on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hey, Bob. Hey, Elliot. Yes. Welcome. Welcome back, Elliot. It's good to be back. Glad to see you. Glad to hear you. Hey, we want to dive into hearing from you what the latest is in technology, because we know you went to CES recently. Now, the last time that I went to the Consumer Electronics Show, it was in Chicago, and I was in high school, and my friend and I created a fake video company so that we could get a badge to go to CES and see all of the latest games on the Commodore 64. So Wow, you probably had the bigger floppy disks back then. We did. We had those big five and a quarter inch floppy disks, which was great. I, I do remember that last show, you know, Nintendo was showing this like a video game console and everybody's like, why are you doing a video game console? That's going to bomb. So we were wrong. But hey, enough about that. First off, Elliot, how is the Broadway producing going? How are your horses before we get into the learning stuff? Because you're just a fascinating guy. Well, I just came back from London, literally about 24 hours before we we're taping this. And uh, we were over there taking one of our Broadway shows, which we did six years ago, bringing it to London, starring somebody that has word star in their brand, George Sakae from uh, Star Trek. And uh, George is uh, the star of a story about his own story as a four-year-old Japanese-American citizen being interned during World War II when there was great fear that people who were Americans but from Japan uh, would be a threat. So they went to essentially internment camps. It is a beautiful production. And while you never want to read the reviews because they're, they're, they can be very caustic, uh, 80 different critics came to review this in a small theater, and I've had tears in my eyes ever since. It's a wonderful story. George is 85, wow. and his goal was to do this while he could in London, and uh, it is an amazing production. And while I was there, I saw a few others, a friend of ours that's a star of Phantom of the Opera. And uh, then I actually snuck in a meeting with about 10 chief learning officers from large corporations at PwC while we were there. So uh, all is well. Horses, we now are part of a syndicate that owns a new batch of Every horse's birthday, it's January 1st. Not that they are all born on the same day, but they equalize yes. their, their birthdays. And they're two-year-olds. And this is the year in which they decide whether they're going to be a racehorse or a show horse or uh, a recreational horse. So there are about seven of them who are getting ready to start running in different areas. And then, of course, I'm still doing a fair amount of things in the world of learning. And uh, so uh, I, I have a blessed and wonderful life. And my brain is blown away by some of the technology, not only that we saw at CES and that we did see at CES. So I'm, I'm game to uh, jump into the conversation. Elliot, I know that you regularly take a small cohort down to CES because you have some secret, mysterious past that gets you in there, <laughs> and and you you kind without of without creating out. a fake video company. That's pretty good. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and you kind of sniff out what technologies or what innovations are you seeing that have implications on learning. So why don't you just share with us some of the some of the highlights of things that you saw that were intriguing and maybe some disruptive things that you saw. Sure. And just for context, um, you never know what the official number was, but the, the stated numbers was about 100,000 participants, about 6,000 booths. Um, and keep in mind that CES stands for Consumer Electronic Show. The word consumer is an interesting one because some of the technologies that many of the listeners are interested in are more workplace ones. So you wouldn't see uh, enterprise systems there and the like. But the reason I go is that the underlying technology is what I'm most interested in, that will either pop up in workplace uh, enterprise systems or will much more importantly impact how users, how employees, how customers are, are actually approaching technology. So to me, it's a really good predictive experience of, of what was there. Um, there are many different things that I saw there, and we can drill down into them. I will tell you the, the, the gestalt of it. Uh, a, there was an overwhelming amount of small venture-based innovations. I'm actually predicting that next year there'll be fewer because a lot of the venture capital money is, is changing. And so a lot of the people there had already paid for their booths when they had a fair amount of, <laughs> of, of venture dollars. And I guess a couple of people bought them with crypto coins, you know, uh, and some of that may change. Um, what, what I did see that is probably most provocative are arenas that are not directly related to learning, but are underlying intriguing uh, health. A tremendous number of health technologies that we saw there uh, that range from things that uh, I want to get tomorrow. You know, a camera that looks down on things you're about to cook and does a uh, an analysis of that from a, hmm. a, a, a machine learning and AI perspective. Uh, my wife won't let me buy it, but literally a capsule you can put into your toilet that does real-time <laughs> analysis of uh, of your throughput. Uh, you like that word, throughput? I, that's a good one. Oh, there you go. That's a good alternative. There's outputs. You had talked yeah, about the food is, is the input, and then there's outputs. It's a good alternative. A number of things are aimed at mental health, and I was impressed. It was probably the first year that we saw that. And I think it tracks back to what some of the outcomes of the pandemic, working from home, and, 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 and the like. Uh, in an area that's not overly related to that, but I was intrigued with lots of electric uh, vehicles. Uh, the data point that uh, got hit, there's a lot of uh, analysis done for – I was a, a – journalist there so i got some of the studies were that we now have over 10 percent of all world cars sold last year are our ev high number wow. of them in china um but it's it's rising uh you know electric vertical uh, airplanes that were there and the like but the things that were probably the most impactful for us were looking at uh the whole area of ai and very much generative ai taking a look at the role of immersive and uh and we could say the metaverse uh that was a, a huge area looking at the way in which collaboration uh and technologies for collaboration are coming and a significant look at the 
how the actual workplace is shifting. Uh, there was very little office furniture for sale, a lot of kits for people who are working from home, uh, a tremendous number of things that were aimed at a fluid mobility between a mobile device, a desktop, a laptop, and allowing people as they work to, to move through those spaces. And then the overlying psychological one, and then I'll let you drill me down as you are very good at doing, um, <laughs> a lot of worry, a lot of worry, worry about the um, huge layoffs that are happening literally as we speak. Uh, two people I know got laid off while they were there that I happen to be speaking to. Uh, um, the number of organizations that are doing some shifts in where and how they work. Uh, and going back to what I mentioned before, an uncertainty of what the economic area was there. I would say that the analysis split. There were some folks, uh, certainly some of the officers of the Consumer Electronics Association, who said the best innovations come during hard times. You know, and there were other people who were literally saying, "Crap, you know, uh, yeah. this is mm -hmm. there." It was output. fascinating. They were saying output. Yeah, didn't see output. there which was we didn't see a lot of announcements from the big players, Microsoft, Apple, and, and they, they had presences there, but but not announcements. But let's drill down. I'll follow your leads. One one area I want to drill down in is the um, like chat GPT. Yeah. And when AI. you think about, yeah, generative AI, when you think about learning designers, a lot of what they do is create content. Do you think that there's a role for or uh, for generative AI in content creation or or not? Yes, by a thousand percent. Uh, I would tell you that there is a shockwave rolling through the learning community. I had an opportunity to meet uh, in Ireland, in London, in uh, Las Vegas with probably about 20 CLO or CLO level people. They are in a shake, a state of numbness excitement, worry about what this has, all the way ranging from the most interesting one. If in fact, a user can type a, a note to say, teach me how to go about doing that procurement thing, boom, to yeah. the next level of them having a generative AI interface between what you've done. So you go out and create a beautiful module experience and the like, it deconstructs that. Rather than going to web, it takes your, it deconstructs it, and it, it filters out for what I know or what I don't know. A understanding that the significant impact will be on the workforce levels of people who are primarily doing white collar jobs, either in the customer service support area, where we could see a devastating level of layoffs by the fact that one can go in there. It was, it was probably contextualized by conversations off the floor with Microsoft, with Google, uh, with Apple. All of them are, are making significant, uh, already Microsoft did a billion dollars, but they're taking generative AI. And by the way, that won't be the long-term word. We'll need a, a new word <laughs> along, along the way. <laughs> Uh, but they're taking that and embedding it functionally within their tools. So you'll see it in Microsoft Office. You'll see it in uh, wow. Google has their own package. Uh, you'll see Apple wants to come out and, 
and do it on their phones. And then you'll see it from uh, a lot of the folks who aren't traditional players. We found lots of interest from Sony, from publishers and the like. I think it will require, and you know, we've had this conversation multiple times over decades, it will require a new set of skills in L&D. We don't mm -hmm. know how to build content in a non-sequential block that's indexable, filtered, and compliance-ready of going through a generative AI state. So a quick follow-up before, before I give some airtime to Jake, who's just waiting to get in there. So, <laughs> so is this is this going to stifle or stimulate creativity and innovation? What do, what do you think? Is it going to hurt or is it going to help? I remember being at American Airlines asking the question, what will the internet do to air travel? And this was in <laughs> 1993. And I said, you know, you'll probably end up putting those kiosks in airports to do check-ins. Oh, no, we never will. People <laughs> want, really want to go to the counter and have a counter experience. Um, it's, it's real. It's very yeah. real. Uh, you yeah. know, we share a colleague, Richard Collada, who heads the largest uh, learning and technology in the K-12 higher ed space. They are in shock and numbness. How does a teacher assess whether that that report was written by the student or by yeah. by AI. And then the other question is, is what it's coming out, is it validatable, indexable, rights allowed, and is it, is it impactful? So we're going to need a new, I call transparent tagging model, where you would get, for instance, the output of generative AI, and you could click and it would then show the indexing. That's why I go back to where we started with SCORM. Well, this thing came from this place. The rights for it are this thing. Um, and we're, we're going to have to really, as an industry, uh, dig in and figure out how do we do that and what does it mean around compliance issues and, and even liability. You know, if I generate something and in the process I, I rip off you know, Tom Peters' latest book, uh, what are my or my employer's uh, liabilities in that? It's mm, it's a big game. Yeah. To be honest and transparent, I just pause a book that I'm writing for six to 12 months because I'm not sure I can accurately state where I think the world of learning is going. And much to my publisher's yeah. shock, but ultimate agreement. That we're that's the mm -hmm. that's the size of the moment that we're at. Wow! I think in this phase too, when we think about AI and the history within AI, and then over the last couple of years, many of the experts have talked so much about ethics in AI, trust and transparency in AI, and this is also opening the door, I think, to the larger consumers that this is out there. And frankly, some of the natural language processing in general AI has been out there before. This is just one of those things that's it is definitely a leap. Right. It's a definitely leap. And I think it's opening the eyes to more people like, holy crap, or whatever the other <laughs> throughput. Sorry. Output. Um, it, it, this is real. And then this is real. So yeah. it really is opening up minds as well as, you know, that fear of change, yeah. I think, for many. But Elliot, I do want to talk real quick. You did mention what CLOs, though. There was some uh, thought of excitement or thinking about opportunities. I'd love to hear what were some of the opportunities they thought about even from generative AI and maybe some other areas? I'll give you one. My colleague, uh, Keith, was there, and she's a senior leader from PwC. And we walked around, and together we probably did 12 miles. She was very intrigued by an alternative set of these uh, earpieces that many of us are wearing right now. 
that are, was hooked into uh, probably AI enhanced, very real time ear to ear translation. And she went mm. to one booth where they were pitching it. She got interested. She said, I want to borrow it. And then she went to a total different booth with them where the person was speaking French and had an interaction that was so good and so fluid. I was betting she on the spot was ready to buy 10,000 sets of that if you're a global company to be able to do that. So there was a lot, it's almost Jake, it's last mile. You know, we've had a lot of these techs. We haven't always built what the use case. I would argue, and you know, some of you are very involved in looking at the uh, immersive metaverse. Uh, but even there, we're still trying to find what the right use case is. What I started to see there was they moved to the edge of what that use case. And like a lot mm -hmm. of the technologies yeah. now, it's not going to go back to coders to build that. Uh, in fact, I would tell you that right now, if you're in a boot camp to become a coder, you may want to think a little bit about what your skill set is. Because one of the areas that this is going to hit is, is code by request rather than by line meaning build yeah. me an app that does X or right. watch what I do with that work process and emulate that. It's what I call the process digital twin in that, that set. So um, yeah. yeah, they were very intrigued. They knew though that they weren't ready for it, that it will right. come to mm -hmm. market faster <laughs> than, than they're ready. And they believe that it could devalue along the way, good instructional design, good storytelling skills, good um, sequence skills, the brain science stuff that all of us on are about. So, yeah. I was really encouraged, though. I read an article last week about uh, generative AI in secondary education. And, you know, of course, it was all the, you know, the, the red sirens going off right now. You know, they're going to cheat on their term papers. How are we going to know everything that you're saying? But this was actually about a few different educators who are already past the freak out stage and saying, okay, yeah. we are now in this world. How do we change the way we teach for a world where this is available? Yeah. I mean, these I, are, I, these I, are pedagogies that are, have been around for so long. Exactly. Right? When we think about, so yeah, it's, it's an opportunity, right? Not yeah. just a, a, how do we fight it? And remember, let's think about generative AI more than it's being pitched. I want to use a three, the word 360, because the 360 process means that generative AI can impact how it's sucking content based on your request. But it also can structure what I want and need, how I get it in what format, in what language, in what illustration, when do I get it? So now you start to think of generative AI being able to do a lot of the workflow support, the nudging, even down to, and one of the people there asked me, they said, hey, you've been in this field for a few years. I said, yeah, about 50. And they said, well, would you think at any point it would be interesting to give somebody in the workplace like two minutes of mentoring with somebody? This, And it was how do we now utilize this technology around what are good practices and good understanding of cognition and, and learning? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it'll take pioneers who who understand the past 
and aren't threatened by the future to to build those build those bridges. That's a great point. Well, I think that we could probably talk about generative AI for another couple hours, <laughs> and maybe we should. <laughs> maybe we should book that for for coming up soon on the Learning Geeks. But um, Elliot, what, what other you rattled off a whole bunch of big themes at the beginning? What do you think is the most interesting thing to jump into? Well, let, let's go what I didn't see because it's there, but it wasn't okay. there there yet. And that would be metaverse. Um, you know, I have a colleague whose husband wrote a book called Zooked, and you should probably at some point read or read a <laughs> review of it. He was one of the founders of Facebook and is not overly happy about where where Mark has led that. Um, everybody was using the phrase, but there was a down investment perspective in traditional metaverse models in that sense uh not saying we won't use goggles we won't have eye everybody accepted that those experiences were important there was a general sense and i know many of you are experimenting with it that the that we can't do it at the goggle only level and so i heard that word that i've used in others of using immersive a bit more than metaverse or or mm -hmm. alongside metaverse uh, mm -hmm. beginning to see some technologies that would be projective. Uh, I, I was made into a holographic uh, digital twin of myself. And uh, while not announced, you'll see some announcements probably at NAB, National Broadcasting Association or others of, of you know, desktops, laptops or devices that will, will be able to give you a visual holographic element of it. Uh, and also a uh, trying to build an understanding of in that world of immersive or metaverse, when we can actually play not just with um, avatar people, but we can play with objects and process. Uh, I had a great conversation with a, a designer there about the ability to have a 3D uh, pivot table that you could with somebody else move around or well, what would an audit look like if we could actually take their PL and their books and put it out in that area uh, but i was underwhelmed by the announcements i think a lot of people mm. have been stunned by the whole musk musk deal mm. about uh you know what meta is doing and and there were a good number of canceled booths that were there from groups that would have been i'm not saying it's going away but i do think there's a, a moment of reflection a lot of people waiting to see what apple comes out with in terms of of their goggles and uh yeah that's been that 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 was there uh there was also a decrease in what we saw in gaming, uh, esports huge, esports huge, but not as much announcement in the gaming in the gaming uh, field. Uh, and I had an interesting conversation with one of the CES officials about how the Consumer Electronics uh, Association doesn't believe that learning is a marketplace. But you think about the number of disposable dollars in the world spent by mm. families, individuals, workers, and their employees on learning. But in their yeah. model, you know, there's no aisle in Target for learning stuff. So uh, right. it doesn't have, a, it doesn't have a, an aisle at, the, at CES. Going back to your initial list, you mentioned healthcare and wellness. I'm wondering if there are some things you saw there, because wellness is a 
huge deal in in business world right now and everybody's yeah. paying attention to it spending money on it and, and did you see anything that would have an impact you think yeah on the i did uh a lot of you know and i i just saw one of the cards that you put out about concentration you know time of of concentration dana when when you're you're learning uh, a lot of things looking at how do we indicate a moment where um we've got to turn the knob either turn it to off or turn it to low uh you know and they're both looking at technology that would sense it and even some of my colleagues over at microsoft working in in teams and the like are looking at we get all this data right now like you know I didn't freak out when initially the audio wasn't working on mine, but you could imagine somebody <laughs> melting down if they're if they were echoing and and the like. Uh, a We've lot experienced of look, that. Yeah, yep. <laughs> a lot of look at, uh, and I think this is an important one. To you know, we finally got to a point where I can type into a GPS where I'm going and trust that I'll get there. Yeah, we have to figure out that same process by people who don't have a memorized but have a navigational approach to a process. Uh, how that works in that sense. And I think we're going to see more of that. It will be something between nudging and workflow support and 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 the like. Um, the other mental health thing that we saw was a uh, inability to realize that your career is not a straight line and then you drop, but that there literally are these, these uh, either necessary or voluntary or imposed cycles in that had a conversation with a woman about uh rethinking a maternity leave and rethinking what the work entry process was and monitoring in that uh that right mix and by the way that may come in conflict with you know unemployment uh benefits and and the like right but there was a conversation that our workforce has come through the pandemic as heroes on one level and battered on another level and so there was a, a a beginning understanding now some of it was you know um razzmatazz that to me wasn't built in 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 good cognitive science but i saw some interesting things there that that were well thought out as apps and and processes that would would uh would help people and and i'm very intrigued about the digital twin level you know, it's an interesting thing of thinking about a person who's retiring or departing of their own will. I don't know if they were pushed out. How do you not just get them to write the report, but build a digital twin of them, of how they how they do mm -hmm. stuff? You know, it's you guys have been very involved with personas. Well, these are personas, you know, on, yeah. you know, on, on, on steroids. Yeah. 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 Well, I'd be super happy to download myself into a computer and then go hit the beach as long as I, I still I, get the sound. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I went to the <laughs> show booth and they made a digital holographic twin of me and I was doing some dancing and, and the like. And, <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I I don't know what it's good for, but it was fun to, to do it. Yeah. Related to several of these topics, Elliot, you mentioned in your Substack that the user experience research is really missing from mm, yes. tech innovation field. Can you can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that and what you observed or didn't observe? Um, I believe that the venture world doesn't understand user experience. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, the pitch deck says people will buy it. But where's the data that said that people understand it so they want it so that perhaps they or their 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 funding source will buy it? It was deeply, 
deeply missing, you know, all the way from languaging to uh, complexity to being able to look at something and get it in, you know, in five seconds, you know, what that what that is. Um, I also think there was there still is this desire to um, rename and rebrand everything without trying to fit into a cognitive envelope that people have already, you know? So even the wonderful headsets that we saw, I said, okay, well, that's cool there. You know, you could probably ha use these headsets and, but you know, oh no, no, these are super, you know, machine learning, <laughs> AI, you know, enterprise level, you know, mm. but if we don't map things so it can fit into something people own already, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Elliot, I, I can't ever remember having a conversation with you where I left feeling both super excited and super bummed out, but that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> peaks and valleys right now, right? That's kind of the, right. the state of the world. So that's I think great. we started off with the bum, bum outside with the generative AI, because that's always the yeah, but see, change I'm still, part. I'm but we, still super I thought excited we about that, right? It's good. like, it's back yeah. and forth. It's all over. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Elliot, I, I would ask, like, how can our listeners connect with you? But I imagine 99.9% .9 of them already are in yeah. LinkedIn friendships with you. But how, how can yeah. we do that for the 0.1% who don't? Well, we've converted ourselves to a foundation, the Maisie Learning Foundation, that's doing a lot of what we're doing. And I do a uh, occasional uh, email and posted blog. So you can go to my website, www.maisie.com. And you're the first group I will tell that in September, I am re-entering the world of some smaller size events, and we're going to be doing our first learning festival that will be looking at the intersection of technology, storytelling, uh, career, and societal shifts. And we'll do it in New York City, and I will do the thing I love doing, which is producing different events. Um, I will tell you in the end of of where I think this year is going is we are can easily get content online. What we need to do, and this is so wonderful, what you do, is give people a place to get context, collaboration, and getting at the evidence that helps them figure out where to fit into that in their career, in their business, and in their lives. So uh, that's what our that's that's my work. And come visit me at Macy.com and maybe show up at one of our Broadway shows too. Karate Kid <laughs> musical is coming. Yeah, yeah, excited about that. Excited about yeah. that for sure. Thank you so much for having me here. What a this was a cool way. Even under jet lag, this was like wonderful. You know? <laughs> well, we're super Thanks, happy Elliot. to have you. So Thanks yeah. for spending your Friday afternoon with us, Elliot. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for being here. And we look forward to seeing you and or hearing you on a upcoming episode of the Learning Geeks podcast real soon. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.